This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. To a Wednesday edition of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on your FM dial as well. I am Jackson Schneider alongside James Wesling today, and uh, a lot to talk about because yesterday was a very busy day. We talked about it plenty with the Avery Johnson commitment to Kansas State, uh, but we let the dust settle a little bit, James, and I want to start off hot, first of all, because I'm fired up to talk about this along with some other football topics today. You and I both are football-crazed guys, uh, but K-State's recruiting numbers jumped up to as high as 41st in the nation in the 247 sports metrics, uh, which is pretty exciting because it's not typically that high, and they're above several other Power 5 conference teams, uh, and they're 8th in the Big 12 right now ahead of Kansas and Oklahoma State. They're right on the heels of Oklahoma, maybe one or two commitments away from really being in the top five of the Big 12 if you really think about it. So things are starting to pick up, and, and we sense the momentum for the last couple of weeks with some of the names that they've gotten. But now with Dylan Edwards and now Avery Johnson, things are really taking off in a positive trajectory here, and there's some some metrics that really back that up. And I love the fact that Avery Johnson and Dylan Edwards have already been very vocal on social media about trying to get some other guys to Manhattan, including the star receiver out of Lee's Summit, Joshua Manning, including Jacoby, uh, Jacoby Lane, who I actually think I might like more than Manning. He's a, a really, really good player who's currently in Arizona, but I guess he grew up in the Kansas City area. There's the connection to K-State and those guys. And they think that Johnson and Edwards might even be able to potentially flip some guys that have made verbals elsewhere. Uh, there's just... A giant ball of momentum uh, heading downhill for K-State, and it's really exciting. Uh, this is a recruiting class that I think very well could finish as the best recruiting class K-State's ever had. Now, that dates back to when recruiting rankings really started to become popular in the early 2000s. Bill Snyder had some phenomenal classes in the 90s, so certainly keep that in mind. But definitely since they started ranking recruiting classes, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say this is going to be the best class rankings-wise that K-State has ever put together. Yeah, no, there's always, like, I try to take recruiting rankings I love with a bit of a grain of, grain of yeah. salt and, and I do too it's really exciting and everybody loves it because it's you know it's the future it's it's the next man up kind of thing before kids even get on campus but there's there's always that thought of I mean sure K-State hasn't had high recruiting classes but nor has Kansas to that extent, but there have been a lot of really good players to come through each school. So just because a kid may or may not have a high recruiting ranking or, or number by certain metrics doesn't mean they're not going to be good players, etc. cetera. Uh, but it is exciting to see K-State finally kind of get acknowledged on the recruiting trail because they've been known as a school that's done more with less. And I mentioned that a little bit yesterday, uh, but if that trend continues... It'll be very interesting to see what they are capable of doing 
if it's more with more, then obviously that's a pretty high ceiling for a program that's already got a pretty strong tradition going here the last 20 or 30 years. And it only seems to be moving forward now with Chris Kleiman taking over. But seeing the the dividends paid uh, off in the recruiting trail just kind of pushes that trajectory even further upwards. But here's the thing that I wanted to ask you about, James. Okay. Now, you, you mentioned the flipping of some of these other guys that have given verbals elsewhere. Guys like, for example, a Joe Odding, who's a really highly thought of offensive lineman that goes to Topeka Hayden. So not far down the road from us or at K-State, obviously, but he is currently verbally committed to Notre Dame. There's also Calvin Clements, an offensive line guy who, out of Lawrence Free State, who's verbally committed to Baylor. But how do you feel these bigger commitments to K-State can really impact the the recruitment of other players that maybe aren't signed but are verbally committed elsewhere? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't know that it's going to have a direct impact right now because I, I think this is a K-State staff that respects these kids and the decisions and the commitments that they've made. I don't foresee the K-State staff aggressively recruiting kids that have already committed to other schools. Doesn't mean that their friends won't recruit them, but I don't think the staff will. And so I don't know that we're going to see a lot of kids flip at this point in time. But what I will say is it's definitely important, I think, now in recruiting to keep an eye on local kids that do go elsewhere because of the new transfer portal rules. If Odding gets to Notre Dame, and I don't know how a kid from Kansas passes up an opportunity to play at Notre Dame yeah, and I, attend I, Notre you Dame. You can't blame him. Right. So that's that's just really cool and a tremendous once-in-a-lifetime thing. But if he gets to Notre Dame and realizes, okay, there's several four or five stars ahead of me on the offensive line and I'm never going to play, he can transfer to Kansas State with no penalty and be an impact player right away. So that's something that, that I think is important to keep an eye on. Or maybe some of these kids locally or that Johnson and Edwards know from uh, camps and, and, and I wouldn't call it AAU ball, but you know summer seven-on-seven type stuff that commit elsewhere that maybe kind of keep K-State in the back of their mind in terms of transferring back. Because you got to keep in mind, and this is the only thing that I'm like, let's pump the brakes a little bit with Dylan Edwards and Avery Johnson. There's already comparisons, these two guys, to Darren Sproles and L. Roberson in that combo. These guys still have a senior year of high school football to play. And I know that Chris Kleiman has shown that he'll play freshman if they're ready. And Bryce Young winning the Heisman as a freshman. And C.J. Stroud tearing up the Big Ten at Ohio State as just a sophomore uh, has kind of... I think magnified this whole freshman can play right away and be superstars. And I think it's a little bit overblown. Those guys are not a a dime a dozen. Those are rare instances of incredible talents right out of high school. That's not the norm. So I do think that Johnson and Edwards are guys that they might play a little bit out of the gate, but I don't think they're going to be superstars out of the gate. Deuce Vaughn is another example of a guy that burst onto the scene as a freshman for K-State. Again, very, very rare company. That is not the norm even to, in, in today's world. Uh, I still think it's going to be the upperclassmen that are driving the bus for K-State. Now, the other question I had is now I, I have these metrics in front of me. And again, this is from 247 Sports. There's dozens of recruiting metrics out there. I mean, there's there's rivals, there's, I think, three on, there's, there's a whole bunch of them. But this is via 247. K-State is eighth in the conference, out of 10, in recruiting. But 
Of those 10 teams, first of all, all 10 of them are in the top 66. K-State is still 41st nationally, and there are, let's see here, there's six Big 12 teams in the top 30 and seven in the, well, eight in the top 41, including K-State. So, Obviously, there's good players being brought to the Big 12, but my question for you is what do you feel like K-State elevating their recruiting does for the rest of the league? Because I feel like if if there's a team like Kansas State that hasn't typically brought in a lot of high-profile kids, it may just kind of push all the other teams in the league forward a little bit as well. And kind of not just in motivation, obviously, because there shouldn't be a lack of motivation from coaching staffs to bring talent in. But I just I feel like it elevates everyone when, you know, some teams that traditionally don't recruit that well are recruiting better than normal. Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, the Big 12 as a league has always recruited really strongly, which is why K-State and KU are always towards the bottom. Um, you know, you look at, at Texas, and even though it hasn't translated to wins and losses as of late, they've got the largest budget in the nation. They put together a top three recruiting class most years and a top five class every year. Same thing with Oklahoma. Baylor now is is stringing together some top 10, top 15 classes. Oklahoma State with Mike Gundy is a, 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 a known for his recruiting. Uh, Iowa State and Matt Campbell. We laugh about Matt Campbell's record, but Matt Campbell overachieves on the recruiting trail and gets kids to, to little old Ames, Iowa, that, that you wouldn't think in a million years would even consider Iowa State. West Virginia brought in one of the most sought-after transfers in the country in JT Daniels, a quarterback from Georgia, who could have played about anywhere in the nation and chose West Virginia over some really, really big blue-blood programs. TCU in Dallas has elevated their game recruiting-wise, so, you know, every year KU and K-State being at the bottom really doesn't bother me because they're still usually at least top 60 classes um, nationally. And you, you, like I said, you know, it, it still comes down to wins and losses. And there are programs that are known for maybe not stacking up recruiting-wise, but kind of playing better than their stars. And then there's programs like Texas, among others, that play a little bit uh, you know, wins and losses wise below what their recruiting rankings were coming out of high school. So uh, I just think the league top to bottom is really strong in recruiting. And you look at Washington and Oregon, sounds like they're at least going to pause conference realignment uh, conversations, those two schools for the next 30 days or so, or the latest reports we're hearing as of today. But you saw Avery Johnson choose K-State over a Washington school that had the 20th best class in the country and an Oregon program that was just behind them, uh, still a top 25 class. So they recruit just as strong. The Big 12 is only going to get better when it comes to that. Now, the Big 12, funny enough, released their media preseason football teams today. So offense, defense, special teams, all that stuff. Now let's go through these. We'll start at the top with the Offensive Player of the Year. And I don't think this is a surprise by any means, but it's Texas running back Bijan Robinson, the uh, foot 221-pound junior uh, who was spectacular last season for Texas. Although the Longhorns maybe underachieved a little bit, he was injured the last couple games of the season and was still a really key factor uh, in the entire league. So I don't think that's super surprising. But here's one that might excite you, James, and that is the Defensive Player of the Year for the preseason Big 12, Felix Anyadike Uzama of Kansas State. 
the 6'4", 255 junior D-lineman for K-State, who was uh, one of the postseason defensive players of the year in the Big 12 Conference to the postseason team. Uh, was the preseason defensive player of the year. That's pretty crazy stuff to think about. Yeah, it is. But when you look at his numbers, he deserves it. And he's a guy that's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. Um, he's just so explosive in getting to the quarterback. And again, this time last year, nobody knew anything about him. He wasn't even listed as a starter on K-State's two deep. He eventually did start week one, but he was coming off a season where he only had six or seven tackles and I think one sack. And then, you know, I'm intrigued by the newcomer of the year because, as I noted, so many good teams in this conference uh, brought in some really high caliber transfers, but it's Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback, who's a redshirt junior and a transfer from Central Florida, where he passed for over 8,000 yards and had 70 touchdowns in two seasons. I don't care where you're playing. Those are really impressive numbers. Mm-hmm. He's left-handed. Uh, just a little nugget there when you see him throw the ball for the first time. But Jackson, I was kind of watching that spot because – of the six teams that are projected to finish in the the top half of the Big 12, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, K-State, Texas, and Iowa State seem to be the consensus preseason top six teams. Five of those six teams have new quarterbacks this year, most Hmm. of them transfers. Adrian Martinez at K-State, Quinn Ewers at Texas, JT Daniels down there at West Virginia, even though I didn't mention them, uh, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. So you've got three really key transfers coming in in the top six, four of the top seven teams. The only team returning a quarterback is Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. And he was a first-team preseason offensive team selection for Oklahoma State. K-State also uh, represented by Deuce Vaughn at running back, and it's worth noting that Deuce Vaughn was a unanimous selection, one of the uh, very few unanimous selections. He and B. John Robinson were the only two offensive unanimous selections on the offensive team for the Big 12 Conference. Uh, Malik Knowles as a kick return punt returner, also listed for K-State. Cooper Beebe on the offensive line. Um, No Kansas players represented on the offensive side of the ball, but they did get Kenny Logan Jr. at the defensive back position on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, K-State, of course, had Dan Daniel Green at linebacker, the aforementioned uh, Felix Anudike Uzama at D-line, and then Julius Brintz as well as a defensive back. So K-State had, James, the most players of any team in the Big 12 represented on the all-Big 12 preseason teams. I know, I know you can't put that much stock into it, but that is still a very exciting thing to see tangibly as you head a little bit closer to football season. I am so glad you brought that up because that's what I was going to lead with. Six Kansas State players on the first team. And if you look at all these preseason magazines, there's a handful of guys that would be on the second team. Eli Huggins up front, a defensive tackle. Echo uh, Boydo, the cornerback, would probably be second team all Big 12. Khalid Duke would be second team as an edge rusher. Uh, It's Really exciting. You know, I I was pretty stunned when I started tallying these up as well. Oklahoma State seems to be the preseason pick by a lot of publications to win the Big 12. I think a lot of that is because of Spencer Sanders and him being the only returning quarterback. But I'll just go on record to say I don't think he's going to be uh, the first team Big 12 quarterback this year. I think it's going to be one of these transfers. I don't know which one. Maybe Dylan Gabriel does uh, live up to the hype at Oklahoma. Maybe it is JT Daniels at West Virginia. Maybe it's Adrian Martinez at K-State. 
State. Quinn Ewers at Texas is a transfer from Ohio State who was the number one recruit in the country just two years ago and really hasn't even got a chance yet to see the field. So we know that he's talented um, at, at, at Texas. But the, the fact that K-State has the most players on the preseason first-team All-Big 12 – what more proof do you need that K-State can win the Big 12 this year? Yep. Like, this solidifies it for me. I kind of had a feeling that K-State could be a dark horse and win the league. But looking at this, uh, I 110% believe that if K-State stays healthy and they, they get some bounces, as every Big 12 champ needs, K-State can win the Big 12 this year. I, I completely agree. I will say, though, I, I, I would, again, take this kind of with a grain of salt because there's a, a, a little nugget that I'm going to toss at you from this list that's going to make you kind of pause a little bit because Oklahoma is usually the consensus favorite to win the league. Now, there's a little bit of a jumble there this year because the new head coach, Brent Venables, or some turnover there, the new quarterback that you mentioned in Dylan Gabriel. Uh, but Oklahoma only had one player represented on these all Big 12 lists, the same number as Kansas, uh, which was, again, Kansas had Kenny Logan, the defensive back. The Oklahoma player represented is Michael Turk, their punter. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So I'm not saying that Oklahoma is bad. That I'm just reading you the facts. I'm telling you, in fact, I believe that Oklahoma is really good. They just weren't represented on the All-Big 12 media preseason team. So just a little bit interesting, that kind of weird rarity, because I feel like most years this list is chock full of Oklahoma guys and just a kind of a, a year that like you and I have talked about, it's going to be wide open in the Big 12. But I think K-State fans definitely should feel good about the way that their team shapes up as we head into Big 12 football media days next week and ultimately into fall practice and the start of the season in early September. Uh, James, any last thoughts on this topic before we head to break? Uh, yeah, just a quick note on Oklahoma. I mean, I can see why. They only returned three starters on defense from a unit that finished 76th in the country and was 109th in the nation in passing defense. Offensively, they only have five starters coming back. They lost their top two receivers, their top two quarterbacks, and their top two running backs. They do have three offensive linemen back, but I, I guess I can understand looking at who they return why they're they're so um, missing from the preseason All Big Twelve team? Going to be really interesting to see what they look like this year. It it definitely will. I know we're going to be diving headfirst into some football stuff in the coming days and weeks. So uh, just an exciting starting point to get the conversation rolling. We're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, I've got some exciting audio from Henry Walker, the former K State basketball player, who's going to be joining the Purple and Black squad, the K State alumni team for the basketball tournament or the TBT as it's widely known uh, here in the coming weeks down in Wichita for the the basketball tournaments uh, Wichita State Regional so fun comments from him as he met with the media earlier today Uh, so we'll have that when we return here on In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 FM. And uh, it wouldn't be summer without talking about one of the new summer staples in sports, and that's the basketball tournament. 
the alumni teams are certainly the teams that get a lot of the publicity, and certainly around these parts. Teams like the Aftershocks, the Wichita State alumni, and the Purple and Black, which is the K-State alumni teams, get a lot of, of run and a lot of publicity. And one of those players today for the Purple and Black spoke to the media. It was Henry Walker. You may remember him as Bill Walker from the later 2000s Kansas State team playing for, for Frank Martin in the K-State state teams as they really started to turn the tide into a relevant uh, force in college basketball. Bill Walker played a huge part in that and uh, now known as Henry Walker, he's going to be a big part of the purple and black team this summer and they'll be playing in Wichita here in just a couple of weeks. But today he sat down with members of the area media via Zoom and answered plenty of questions. So without further ado, here is Henry Walker from the purple and black. I'm just excited to uh, have the opportunity to uh, participate in the TBT. I've uh, been watching it for a long time. Um, uh, so I'm excited to have this chance to also play with uh, some, some guys that went to K-State that I didn't have the chance of playing with. So it's a good mix of different generations of uh, Wildcats. So it's definitely going to be a fun experience. Tim Everson, go ahead, Tim. Hey Henry, I, I just I just wanted to ask what 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 made this year different to uh, to have you come out and, and and join the the purple and black team this year? Oh, I mean, I just just getting older, man. You know, and uh, uh, you know, uh, just watching it, like I said, you know, and that excitement that comes with it. Just watching all the guys, you know, link up and you know play with their alma maters and uh, all their friends and stuff like that. So you know, it was just opportunity that uh, I've I've had. You know, I think since this thing had started up and, you know, guys have been asking me, but, you know, in the summers, I'm pretty much preoccupied with, with my children and my family. But uh, this summer, you know, I've uh, got the opportunity to, you know, to play a bit. And uh, you know, I said, why not? You know, it's a great opportunity and a great experience. And has Jake been the biggest guy in your ear as far as uh, someone trying to convince you to, to, to come out and, and play? I mean, it's, it's been a bunch of guys, but, um, yeah, Jake, Jake's a, you know, once he committed and said that he would do it, I kind of was like, you know, why not uh, go out there and set some screens for him, let him, let him get open. So <laughs> I figured, yeah, it might be Jake, yeah. Tim, any additional questions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess kind of looking back, what, what, what what are maybe some of your your your, your fonder memories about your, your your time in Manhattan? We haven't really gotten a whole lot of chances to talk to you since since back then. What uh what what, what stands out to you? Uh, probably uh, just 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 being in Bramlage and you know seeing how you know it started and the way it was going before all the guys came and. And just seeing the excitement once we started getting uh, players to come and things of that nature. So probably just the the atmosphere in Bramlage, and uh, secondly, just just uh, being around Coach Martin. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure I know for sure he's a different coach now than when he was when he first started. But just having that uh, opportunity to be his first crop of guys that he coached uh, is definitely. Uh, you know, a great memory. So yeah, those two, those two right there, just being in, in Bramlage and, and just being around Frank and 
all the other guys, that, that's probably my fondest memories, uh, more so than like any game or anything like that. Just just the day to day, the grinding, the, the getting up in the morning, working out with Scott, five in the morning, lifting, flipping tires, things like, you know, th those kind of things bring you together. So those are the things that, uh, yeah, that um, are my fondest memories of, uh, of K-State. And then I know a lot of K-State fans uh, saw both both you, you Jake, and, and Coach Martin uh, trying to convince Michael Beasley to, to join you guys. Is there any any word on, on the progress of that, if, if he is going to be able to, and how, uh, how excited would you be? Oh, go ahead. I mean, of course, the uh, guy, his caliber, uh, you know, of course, you know, you would, you would love to have him on the team. So, but you got to understand that he's a busy guy. Uh, he has a lot of other commitments he's made. So, you know, you can't just uh, put this in front of that. So, uh, hopefully uh, he gets to play this year, but I'm pretty sure one of these years uh, he's going to, he's going to hop in and play. I mean, he, he loves the hoop and that's just, you know, that's, that's just, a, that's a no brainer. Uh, if not this year, I, pretty, I think pretty soon. All right. We'll have a question here from Jackson Schneider. Go ahead, Jackson. Preparation. How much have you put into to kind of getting ready for this tournament? And have you gotten to work with any of the guys that you'll be playing with here in this upcoming tournament? Uh, we, we haven't gotten together yet, but uh, we plan on getting together and getting a few, uh, you know, practices in preparation, you know, sort of having some type of game plan going in there. Uh, uh, but me just I just been working out every day, uh, hoping things of that nature. So, I mean, it's not really much. Uh, any difference but this is uh just a, another great opportunity going out there playing against a great competition in the summer so it's it's, it's good 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 uh opportunity there's been some uh, pretty good reception from k-state fans in years past about this team and strummed up a lot of excitement do you have a, a message maybe to k-state fans or, or basketball fans in general just to bring them out and get some support for for the games when they come up Oh, man, just just come out and support, you know, uh, some 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 guys that you've cheered on in the past. And, you know, I, I think it's a great opportunity because you get to see a mix of uh, a bunch of guys that didn't get to play together during their time at K-State. So it's sort of like a fantasy team, you know, but hopefully we can get the bees and, and you know, and bring everybody out and, you know, and have a and have a great turnout. You know, get to see some guys you haven't seen uh, in person in a while. So. Uh, you know, I'm 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 thankful to for the opportunity and uh, kind of ready to get out there. And then just a question on uh, K State basketball. You know, they're in a new era with Jerome Tang taking over as the head coach. I'm curious mm -hmm. if you still keep in touch with anybody at K State, or if you've seen kind of the things that you helped to spark in turning this program into something that's pretty big time, and, and what's maybe to come with the rest of the program and Jerome Tang. But to be honest, I haven't uh, I haven't really linked up uh, with anyone from K State in a, a long time, and I've been so busy, uh, you know, raising my family and, and things of that nature, uh, that I haven't really even even uh, been watching college basketball to tell you the truth. So uh, I plan to get back into it and, and focusing more, but I can't really I can't really give you the state of how things are going. I haven't watched in a while. Thank you. We got a question here from Pat Strathman. Go ahead, Pat. 
Yeah, just a, a thought about or a question about the competition here for you, Henry. You got Wichita State and Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, former guys from from those squads. Just your thoughts on on taking on those teams or potentially taking on those teams in the Wichita Regional. I mean, it's it's, it's definitely going to be like a highly competitive, um, especially just from being in the old days and playing in college, and you know, guys have pride. And, you know, throwing their school colors on again. So it's going to be fun. And, you know, all the guys are highly competitive. So the, the competition level is going to be A+. plus. So especially, you know, in the middle of the summer, this is a great opportunity to get some good runs. Pat, any other questions? Okay. That'll be all. Thanks. And a uh, question here from Arn Green. Go ahead, Arn. Arn, I think you're muted. Sorry, um, Henry. You talked about you haven't been in touch that much with the with the current program. Are there a lot of the guys from when, back when you were playing? Are you still um, keeping in touch with those guys regularly? Or uh, yeah, for sure. I just talked to Mike and and Jake probably a week, uh, probably two weeks ago. I think two three weeks ago. So, I mean, uh, I was playing with Jake and overseas. So, I mean, we keep in touch all the time. And, uh, so. It's just that I haven't really, like, been in contact with the school or anything of that nature. But the guys I play with. Yeah. And uh, how about how about the guys that are going to be with you on the team? I know some of them were after after you were here, but uh, have you kind of, I don't know. I think, this, I think that's a, the beauty. I think that's the beauty of the TBT, you know, just molding and bringing all those different generations together, so being able to see guys that probably were, you know, watching me play and, you know, thought, hey, man, I, I can go over there and do my thing as well. So it's kind of, you know, like I said, it's just a, it's a melting pot and it's a great experience. Uh, we probably influenced a lot of guys to make that decision to go play at K-State. So uh, it's definitely going to be fun just linking up with guys, you know, different classes and, and different skill sets and things like that. It's, it's a great opportunity again. And uh, also, just uh, lately, what have you been? What have you been up to most most recently, as far as uh, your career? Uh, I mean, I've played in Japan. I've, I've uh, played in the Philippines uh, recently. Um, so right now, just I've just been training and and uh, getting ready to play in the TBT. And again, that was Henry Walker, one of the team members for the Purple and Black, the Kansas State alumni basketball team that's going to be competing in the basketball tournament, or the TBT, as it is well known. Those games will be taking place here in just a couple of weeks at Coke Arena down at Wichita State. Uh, More media members uh, and more team members will be speaking to the media, I should say, uh, in the coming weeks heading up to the tournament. We'll hear from Jordan Henriquez-Roberts in the uh, coming days. Jacob Pollan is expected to speak to the media and possibly if he joins the team, they're trying to get him. You you heard that get teased a little bit in that interview, but they're trying to get Michael Beasley to join this alumni team. And if he uh, gets to be part of this team, he'll definitely be sitting down with the media and that would be really cool. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to go ahead and take one more break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show here on In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Final 
segment of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on your FM dial. I'm Jackson Schneider with James Westling today as we wrap up the show with some breaking news. And I just broke this news to James because he's been working his butt off today, hadn't hadn't looked up to view the news or anything. <laughs> but uh, Baker Mayfield, the Browns have traded him to the Carolina Panthers officially uh you might remember Baker Mayfield is an Oklahoma alum former number one overall pick to Cleveland uh but now Cleveland has acquired Deshaun Watson but there's some uncertainty there because of the Deshaun Watson legal situation but because Cleveland acquired Deshaun Watson Baker Mayfield basically said he wasn't going to play for Cleveland anymore because he felt betrayed like like they didn't trust him they didn't want him there uh, so they traded for a conditional fifth round pick in 2024 is all uh, this is according to the NFL Network's report earlier, and of course the deal is fending, uh, pending a physical. Excuse me, uh, but uh, some breaking news there. Now my my main question, first of all, is what the heck is Cleveland going to do at quarterback? Yeah, if assuming Deshaun Watson can't play, and they're loaded everywhere but that position, and if Deshaun Watson does somehow play, watch out for the Browns. I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. Carolina is probably one of the top landing spots that Baker Mayfield could have went to. You know, the only other real threat at quarterback is Sam Darnold, but I think that uh, his chance is kind of run out. You know, his last two seasons he's thrown uh, about five or six more interceptions than touchdowns. He had 18 touchdowns and 24 picks the last two years, uh, one year with the Jets and. Last year, he started 11 games before he got hurt with the Panthers. So I think it's probably definitely Baker Mayfield's job going into training camp. And they're loaded at receiver. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall Jr. They've got Christian McCaffrey at tailback. Chuba Hubbard looked good last year in relief. Uh, They've got a pretty good defense. So I think in terms of potential spots for Baker Mayfield, he ended up uh, about as good as it could have got for him. I think it's a competitive quarterback room, more so than you, you might think. I know that Sam Darnold has kind of been underwhelming the last couple of years, especially this last year when he got to Carolina, but they also just drafted Matt Corral. Matt Corral mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, but I wouldn't say, even though I think that Baker Mayfield could be a really good quarterback in the right situation, um, I just don't think that there's a far and away favorite to be that starter right now. So that will definitely be one of the key situations to follow as we head into training camp and get closer to the season. But the one thing I want to keep in mind here is that Baker Mayfield may not have had a great year last year, but he was playing hurt for a good majority of it with that shoulder injury. So I feel like there's been some some forgetfulness from football fans and football media about maybe why he wasn't as productive as as he's capable of being so if he's healthy he might be a really good fit for the Carolina Panthers if Sam Darnold isn't able to separate himself and obviously I feel like Matt Corral might need a year or two to kind of cook and develop under some pretty solid quarterbacks so just my two cents I think it is a really good fit for him I would love to know the last time that two quarterbacks taken in the top three of the same draft were on the same team this early in their career. They were both drafted in 2018. Mayfield went first, 
Darnold went third. Now they're on the same team, and it's neither of the teams they were drafted by. Wild. It's crazy stuff. I I saw that earlier, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, if you would have told a Panthers fan (laughs) that they would have acquired two of the top three picks in the 2018 draft by 2022, you'd think they'd be going crazy, except for the fact that they play the same position. And it's really kind of underwhelming how we kind of view them uh, now considered to how we viewed them when they were originally drafted. But really interesting stuff there to uh, kind of wrap up the show today. We've got plenty more coming the rest of the week with lots of things still developing and heading closer towards Big 12 media days. So that could be some some fun stuff for us. I know we got really into that college football conversation, James, and I know you're itching to just keep that conversation going. So you have to just Put that in the fridge until tomorrow when we bring it back out for the leftovers there. It's in the fridge. Conference realignment is uh, probably going to have some news by tomorrow, I would think, in terms of more reports and rumors. We'll have that on the docket for sure, plus some more. So we'll see you same time, same place, 515, right here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. I'm Jackson Schneider. He's James Wessling. You've been listening to In the Zone. Hey, 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 hey.